need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, hooked up to an elephant, it's Andy Greenwald! Buddy, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, and Kaya. Thank, Ka- Kaya thank left. You. Thank you, <laughs> um, Happy Thanksgiving, Watch listeners. Happy Thanksgiving to our listeners. Chris, you want to know what I'm grateful for? Mm. You. Why? Because every Monday, you deliver me a warm cup of coffee. Well, now I'm on the hook for it. I feel like if I didn't bring it one time, I'd be trying to send you a subtle message. Like like Amanda brings her own <laughs> hot beverage? That's right. Well, how was your break? By the way, before we even talk about our break, a minute ago, before we even hit record, we were just starting to chat about pop culture. A I was little like, bit, yeah. Chris, come on, no free takes. Um, is how is we my do. week? My, well, I feel like you and I have very different Thanksgivings now, which is a shame because we used to have the exact same Thanksgiving. We were really locked in with each Thanksgiving other. Thanksgiving was high season. It was the original podcast. For your boys. Yeah. It was like, like was when we would both go be home from college. Mm-hmm. We'd have wheels, mm-hmm. a little bit of money burning a hole in our pocket. We'd see a Sixers game. See a Sixers game. And then... Go get into some trouble. Famously. Go park our car in some weird parts of town. <laughs> without question. Yeah. Famously, uh... We would do Thanksgiving. My family would do it at, at, at my house with mm-hmm. my parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were a later eating family. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so we had a friend. We have a friend, Matt. His yeah. family would eat at like one. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and they would be like completely like just on the couch by like three. Yep. My family ate around six, six thirty. No, no, no. Because I was going to say you would be like knocking on my front door asking if I paint houses at like <laughs> 5.15 no, 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 no. I know when my mom, because my mom and I just talked about that this weekend. Okay. And she talked about how unsatisfying <laughs> Thanksgiving dinners were as an experience because she would work on the food for like nine hours yeah. and then my dad and I would be done eating in 35 minutes. Yeah. And I'd be like, got to go to Andy's. <laughs> and I would get up. Yeah. I would go to your house. That's right. You would be, f- usually I, like Matt and I by a certain point had a little bit of head of steam, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And we would sort of you kick had, in the door. Got a good buzz going. Waving the 4-4. Uh-huh. And then Andy's dad would just be like, well, hello, Chris. <laughs> hello, Matt. We're uh, just beginning to set out the turkey and it's accoutrement. <laughs> so we'd watch you eat, yeah. which is always cool, watching yeah. Andy eat. <laughs> you, sort of, you sort of hover yeah. on the margins like vultures. Yeah, we'd walk into different rooms. Sometimes elderly guests would be there, wondering who the rapscallions were. We make it sound like we're like riverboat pirates on da- in Davy Crockett times like we would come by Go we would on. make a lot of lovely conversation with your family right then we would take you out we'd take you out into the night take me away yeah yeah it's not like that which anymore. was always kind of a weird proposition in Philly because it was like only a few bars would open after Thanksgiving dinner the smart ones but we found them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I was in Philly this week so how was it as a, a father <laughs> as a father of daughters <laughs> <laughs> as an Irishman um yeah you look good Thanks. Thanks. It was a nice visit. It's a nice town. You know, uh, my folks are downtown now, so we get to spend some time in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, On the Avenue of the Arts. Big, uh, big, like, winter wonderland set up at City Hall. Nice, yeah. Worth Park. Yeah. A winter wonderland in Philadelphia is very special because there's an ice skating rink now, which is which is great, and there's, like, uh, you know, a little... A heated room where you can get some some pints of Yingling, some hot toddies, as as you may. Some heated Yingling. Some some warm. It's like a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it's called. Yingling. But there's also like little booths selling local artisan crafts, and <laughs> primarily they are watercolors of gritty waving the American yeah, flag. Yeah, I was gonna say, is this sculptors who are working primarily in pretzel? Like- <laughs> <laughs> I really am regretting not getting you the uh, the oil painting of Tobias Harris gazing at the Ben Franklin Bridge <laughs> that I saw. I mean... That's my version of Vito Corleone staring at the Statue of the, Liberty. There really is one of the... I really did see a painting of the Philly fanatic kneeling, weeping over the American flag, and it said, never forget. And I was like, never forget... Never forget the, when we won the World Series. Never forget our, our collapse to 81 and 81 for the last two seasons. Never forget the tenure of Gabe Kapler, America's <laughs> manager. I, I don't know. But, but otherwise, the city is still good. And I, I have to give a, a shout-out. I already did it on Instagram to one of the iconic legends of Philadelphia, which is still going, which is Bob and Barbara's Lounge oh, yeah. in South Street. Yeah. 
It actually is amazing. I thought and you I, were going to give a shout out to the iconic le- Philadelphia <laughs> legend, the New York Times. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> oh, because of uh, yeah. our presence there this yeah. weekend? But I, I mean, I was sure that piece uh, was never going to run in print because that's fine. And then it ran in print. So it was on my parents' kitchen table yeah. the, the day that we left very early, despite not visiting enough. So that was, that was, that was a good look for me. Thank you, New York Times. The other thing that I appreciated about the, about that story that they ran was that they revised the headline for the print edition. So the headline now said, Andy Greenwald has finally found what he's always wanted. <laughs> and it's just like, is this something the New York Times has been on? Is that really what the headline was? Yes. Is this a oh, story? Oh, because they don't really have to worry about SEO in the paper. But is this a story they've been tracking for years? Right. Is this? <laughs> That's, is that insulting to me? Like, <laughs> is it insulting to my wife and children? Yeah. This yeah, we're all upset like, about uh, it. Anyway. Bob and Barbara's was a bar that Andy and I used to go to. Which has been there for semi-frequently. 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just great that I, I don't know. There are fewer and fewer places, certainly in New York and probably in Los Angeles, that are the same way they've always been. And this bar, where you can go into it, and it's literally like the same clientele. No one there is cool. Uh, everyone is drinking the same thing, a Philly special, a can of PBR, and a shot of Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. And uh, jazz band playing. It was great. Yeah, you love jazz. I famously love jazz. That was really fun. But anyway, but but this idea, this is a big pivot, a big wide swing to say this idea of Thanksgiving as some sort of feast of content as much as, as it is a feast of turkey. Just, you, is before the totally days of content, we just me. called it relaxing. Yeah, but it would be like relaxing, like, like reading old comic books that we had in our childhood bedrooms. Yeah. It was not like, the you know these these great these great dumps of television shows and Scorsese movies. So the idea that this is like a special time. Well, this to is indulge uh, in this is not something that I'm able to take part. This in. This is a couple of I, I'm trying to remember specifically what I'm talking about, but there have been a couple of shows that if, if I figure it out first, I'll tell you. Well, wasn't Dark around now? The first season of Dark came out around now. I, I, I feel like Thanksgiving is a really good time to launch a show. Well, a couple of years ago we were talking about this, which is that this was traditionally. Uh, the movie theater, there was always something, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But for TV, this was a dead zone because people figured, you know, everyone's home with their families or they're traveling or they're, or they're going to the movies. It was Netflix that figured out. Oh, people are home with their families. This is actually the best time yeah. to drop a lot of content. Yeah. Um, so now people are jostling each other to do that. Um, should, should, do, you want, do you want to touch on some of your, your menu that you served sure. up at home? Sure, yeah. I mean, it was a, I, I just, I hit every quadrant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. really... I watched a little bit of uh, the morning show. Okay, still still going strong. Is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not going to bore you with it since it wouldn't make any sense with you. To you, uh, Knives Out. Saw that in uh-huh. the movie theater. Yep. I believe you've also seen it. I have seen it. Yeah, I enjoyed that, and then uh, just got into the watch to, to the Irishman. You know, just really like, and I think we started it really late on. Wednesday or something. Okay. So I can't remember what time, but obviously like, you finished it early on Thursday because you're a cineast. No, I, I I felt fine about watching half and half. It's not mm. that I couldn't finish it. It was just that we started it so late that okay. I, we were getting really tired. But masterpiece, amazing film, like not not overrated at all. Did you feel? And I'm saying this because I really want to see it, and I really wish I could see it in a movie theater. And I feel like that's not likely to happen. So I probably will, like most of the people who watch the movie, yeah. watch it on Netflix. I don't feel great about it, both because I, I don't want to be able to get up at, and control my own ability to get up because I, I will take advantage of that. But also, I do wonder about seeing a Scorsese movie on, I don't have a very big TV. I think it's just great to see a Scorsese movie. And I, okay. and, and I think that if what he needed to make this particular film, which is a three and a half hour meditation on mortality mm-hmm. and do it the way you wanted to do it with the de-aging process. Mm-hmm. And Netflix was the company that was like, you can do it this way. And I think a lot of people are going to see this movie, you mm-hmm. know, like yeah, clearly, um, and their access to entry will be somewhat lower than maybe, you know, spending the money to go to the theater. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just glad a lot of people are going to see Joe Pesci act, you mm-hmm. know, and it is, uh, to me, it was a little bit, it, it felt a lot more like silence than it did Goodfellas, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's a lot more about, you know, the interior of a character rather than, like, this flashy kind of movement through time. I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot a lot of the Hoffa stuff in Irishman is about America and that, that time in the century and the Kennedys. But for me, it was much more about, like, trying to bore into this very nonverbal character that uh, De Niro plays, Frank. I'm very excited to see it. Um, 
I have to give a special shout out to a true hero that I encountered on my on my travels. Sure. Um, Thanksgiving is a time people give thanks, have gratitude. Obviously, there are a lot of um, human interest stories on the local news, newspapers. I'm thinking of the the gentleman from Philadelphia who caught a baby that came was being tossed out of a burning building yeah, and then used that opportunity to, Nelson. to talk about Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. A special shout-out goes to a guy named Adam Weinstein, who may never hear this, but uh, a, a guy I went to high school with, didn't know him very well. At the time, I knew his older brother a little bit better, a couple years younger than me. Uh, is out here now. He's an agent and uh, happened to be sitting right behind me and my family, he and his family, on the, the flight back. You were on a very popular plane. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, uh, the watch co-host Amanda Dobbins <laughs> was on both of my flights, which was great. And it was very nice to see him, you know, reconnect and... Uh, also has a, has a similar number of members of his family and uh, a similar iPad-centric, sure. Disney-focused, sure. curated viewing situation going on. <laughs> he, he's also watching the Iger counter. Uh, he, no joke, he was reading the Iger book. Really? He was. <laughs> it was a full Disney Plus good. experience in row 34. But uh, the most amazing thing was, you know— Economy Plus? Uh, not if only no 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 my friend just uh just straight up steerage there were a couple people doing irish folk dancing behind <laughs> us it, it was a merry part of the ship yeah. is what i'm saying anyway just to say that like we were we were on the flight with them and and had the same number of children around the same ages and it was a long extremely turbulent flight yeah and uh we're at baggage claim because, you know, these days— Anytime like, you can fly over something called a bomb cyclone, <laughs> yeah. you got you to do it. Yeah, you, you really felt it in the hips when the plane was really was swaying. Were you flying in a Mini Cooper? <laughs> it felt like it. Um, but, you know, all these dreams that, that, that you still get to live in of, like, watching things and— That and, I— And not checking multiple bags on, on trips. Yeah. But anyway, at the very end of this, you know, the light is already failing here in Los Angeles. This is a six-hour flight plus whatever— their children are are restive, ours are as well. And he says to me, we're going to rush home because we're going to watch The Irishman tonight. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Who's the we here? Him and his wife. Yeah, do you know what I did, honestly? Uh, I, I saluted him. Yeah. <laughs> Not all heroes, man. Like, I don't even want to know if he made it. I don't even want to know if he made it through 10 minutes of it. Sure. It was the initiative, the passion— like, that's what you want to see out on the field. I was just, God bless you, man. That's incredible. A lot of Philly in the Irishman. A lot. Is it? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Philly. Get, get a little Villa de Roma shout out. Fantastic. Frank Rizzo. You know who else? You know who else is from Philly? Cal. Angela Abar's husband. I don't know if you looked at Pedipedia. Oh, is Cal a Philadelphian? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Let's get into the Watchmen. We're going to talk Mandalorian too, right? But we oh, should. You know we're talking. But we should. You want Mando! To- <laughs> The, the new episode is on Disney Plus. Would Not- you like to come over? I have turkey leftovers. <laughs> the sandwiches are delectable, sir. Sourdough bread really makes it. Um, Watchmen. Watchmen. Let's talk Watchmen. I did want to say, and obviously... An almost religious awe, episode seven. So spoilers coming. Yeah. I know that people got... Obviously, the big reveal was in the big surprise and big twist was related to Cal, mm-hmm. Angela's husband. And people were falling over themselves with excitement, saying like, oh, his name is Calabar, like Angela Abar, and it's like X-Calabar. They were coming up with all these puns for oh, his cool. name and all this yeah. construction. Co- but I was like, no, 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 his name isn't Abar. It's, that's not his name, because we've learned in this episode, in the flashback, Angela's father's name was Abar, so unless he took his wife's name, right. I, which is not so common. Cal's name is he, Rip- Ripken? He has a different di- different name. Okay. And I haven't really gone into this Pedipedia stuff. Yeah, it's cool. But the, one of the things so on there— Tell people what this is. Well, so HBO's been putting up Petey, the, uh, Laurie Blake's— um, Lover. And, assi- and, and, <laughs> I was going to say co- federal co-agent. agent, yes. but you know, we could lead with his <laughs> off-duty extracurriculars. Um, files like related to that episode mm-hmm. that fill in the world a little bit have been posted on HBO.com and I haven't really been looking at them but I did look at this file and it was the accident report or whatever in the hospital from this so-called car accident sure. that he was in and the most important thing about it is that Cal's place of birth is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania that's great the home to all real superheroes <laughs> so now they can add Cal to the uh, the watercolor of gritty <laughs> just weeping um <laughs> Fascinating, fascinating episode. 
do you want to start with the macro of how you how we felt about the yeah, episode? Yeah, sure. And I mean, I think that there's inevitably going to be a little bit of a come down after an episode like episode six mm-hmm. that is both so intellectually provocative and emotionally draining and actually physically and viscerally draining because it was all these this series of wonders and mm-hmm. whipping around and actors moving in and out of scenes and and so much of it was about um, the inheritance of trauma um, and how it affects generations going forward, which in a mm-hmm. lot of ways I think this the show has actually been about that even though it's also about the place of the role of superheroes in our society. I yeah. think that you know, if you could have, if he made it, if he was going to say like, this is what the show is about, I bet Damon would say it's about, it's about how trauma gets passed down through the years. Yeah. But the thing that I've loved about this show for the first few episodes is the way in which the world building, which is, is so intricate and so thoughtful and so funny and so well, well imagined has always been in the background. Mm-hmm. Like the, the thing I loved about the pilot, for instance, was that all these sort of references to things like Red Fredations and, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like Angela, like Vietnam being a state. Mm-hmm. That was sort of in the background of people interacting, of, of Angela having a dinner with her coworkers and singing Oklahoma songs mm-hmm. or even going forward, like the interactions between her and Tim Blake Nelson's character. Or even in uh, the Looking Glass-centric episode, the way in which the Tim Blake Nelson character seemed to interact like, go through his day, and even though all of the stuff that he experienced with the squid was there, a lot of it was just him sort of pursuing a case with that in the background. And then I think with this episode specifically, that seemed to flip, right? And, I, and I'm speaking mostly about the Lori Blake investigation part, which mm-hmm. I think is a necessary evil, uh, where she has to say, like, what's happening, and someone actually tells her. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't dislike this episode by any means. I was, like, quite awed by parts of it. You know, the elephant reveal, the cow reveal, uh, parts of the Lady Troop story. <laughs> but for the most part, I think that we're just seeing the the Lazy Susan turn around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now the world building is actually, they're going to have to, like, kind of address that head on. And there, there's a little bit of a difference in tone because of that. I heard you paint yourself into corners. <laughs> Did I? No. Uh, that's the nature oh, that's... of making deeply plotted television. And this was, yeah, I, I think this was a weaker episode, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, that's why there's seasons. The, you know what I mean? Yes, like, the, the there's, deg- there's, there's down episodes of succession. There's down episodes of everything. The degree of difficulty in what Damon and his writers are doing is breathtaking. So many balls are in the air. So many storylines have to be serviced. They're operating not just in multiple timelines now in terms of making us understand the past through ample flashbacks, but also this show has always been operating in multiple levels of comprehension. Mm -hmm. It is servicing a show for people who are deeply versed, not just in the original comic book, but all the lore and around the original comic book, as well as possibly these PDPedia files that we're talking about, and the casual fan who has, for the purposes of this podcast, uh, become represented by our wives on the couch. Sure, yeah. So there are many, many different, there's just so much happening at any given moment. And with all these moving pieces, and I I, I almost want to reach for a watch metaphor with all the gears that are connected because that's such an essential image to the show. There's going to be an episode where you particularly notice the gears grinding. There has to be. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the momentum of a season, and I do think, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to Damon about this, he's been at this long enough that he can probably pick his spots where this is going to happen. And dropping that after what may well be the season highlight, Mm -hmm. you know, it's worth noting just for the full understanding of people listening that I didn't get them, but the people who got screeners their screeners ended after last week's episode. Yes. The, for the, the, the for screener, the, yeah, the initial batch, The screener tap yes. was cut off yeah, right, um, right. after those. Yeah. So that that usually lets people know that this is a, a crescendo of, some, mm-hmm. of sorts. So dropping it there makes sense. And then also dropping it while um, putting at the end of it a mind-blowing reveal that potentially kicks off the very end of the season. Sure. So all of that is to say, I, I get it, but there was there were a lot of conversations a lot of expository conversations, and a lot of flashbacks. I mean, right. it is a very delicate thing, and it's being done very gracefully. The tutorial thing was was very clever. Mm-hmm. I am very curious, just from a 
structural point of view, how much of the constant flashing back and now the interlacing of flashbacks between Angela's own life and what she learned last week. From Will. From Will and from his memory and his life, how much of that was scripted as such, how much of that was something they found in edit, how much of that was something they found they needed in edit um, in order Tell to Tell me keep what you mean there. Well, what I mean is you can put together the episode as you, as you see fit mm-hmm. and as you imagine it to be as scripted, and then maybe you're watching it or you're watching with other producers or other trusted people, and they say, well, I don't really follow. I don't really know what the intention was there, and flashbacks are a way to help underline or support your point. You can remind people what you're talking about. And um, Damon, the show is extremely well edited, and so the editors are doing a great job of weaving in the flashbacks so they feel like little bursts of memory. They feel very organic. But I am curious if those were there because Damon uh, looked at what he was doing and said, this might be too much. This might be too confusing. It might be too complicated. Okay. So meaning once we get all this hooded justice information and then that that kind of goes into six or seven rather and, and there's going to be a mixture of Angela's memories yeah. and, and Will's memories – you're saying that he might have been like, what do I need to add here? I might need to add a few more memories. I may need to have more flashbacks right. here. We might need to make this kind of a staccato drumbeat throughout the episode. There were moments like that previously, too, that I noticed, like even in the Looking Glass episode, little flashes to him from the cold open mm-hmm. uh, when he was a teenager in New Jersey or flashes to the, the metal insides of his hat. Little nudges, you know, to basically say, in case you're not following, look, mm-hmm. look. So, you know— Handholding is not the right word, but supporting an audience that has every reason to be blinkered and bewildered watching the show at times makes sense to me. Right. I, I like the things I like about this show are the things that are not going to be answered at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I it's think sort of, it's sort of the you. questions that it asks. Like, I was really into when I was thinking about it more how every one of these characters, with the exception of Cal, who we still don't know, we don't really understand who he is. You know, obviously, we think, you know, he's obviously quote-unquote, Dr. Manhattan, but whose body was he inhabiting? And, mm-hmm. w- you know, what was the... Well, he was chose the, the most perfect vessel origin. God has created, a Philadelphian. <laughs> but when you think about Angela and everything she went through in Vietnam and Looking Glass and what he went through in New Jersey or in the in that, uh, in that experience at the Squid and Lori and the sexual assault that, mm-hmm. that her mother experienced mm-hmm. and the heartbreak that she experienced from... Dr. Manhattan leaving her. You're dealing with characters who are trying to shape their identity out of their past pain, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you've got this new character who comes along in Lady True who's like, well, what if I could alleviate that? Mm-hmm. What, what if I could eliminate that? What if I could recreate my mother so that she could watch my accomplishments? And be proud of me. And also be proud of me and be my daughter at the same time. And what if that was just like this, the most pure... Um, manifestation of familial love that you could possibly mm-hmm. even imagine and what she means to these broken people. And I, I think that that is something that go, operates way outside of whether or not like Keen, who's now essentially a Bond villain, mm-hmm. who's like not doing a very good job hiding his plan. I mean, he's essentially told like two different groups of people mm-hmm. about it now. That's sort of off to the side. But what I'm kind of primarily interested in is... Damon and the writer is asking, how do we cope with this stuff? Like, how would you cope with this stuff? Would you put on a mask? Would you choose to face it? Would you become cynical and sarcastic? Or would you try, you know, how do you meet it head on? Yeah, and I I think it's worth pausing for a second here to say what's emerging and what I find really exciting is is this is what interests Damon. This is what Lost was about. This is what The Leftovers Mm -hmm. is about. This is what Watchmen is about. And he may be the first example from this auteurish golden era of television of an artist who is making a body of work that continually makes runs at the same thematic terrain like a novelist would or a painter would or a filmmaker like Scorsese would. Mm -hmm. Not saying Damon is the Scorsese of TV, uh, but I'm saying that it's all one show. Generally, yeah. when we've spoken about the great creators of television, they make one great work, which isn't to say that they haven't done other good work. But David Chase, for example, worked for decades doing very good work on a number of shows, good, 
Northern Exposure, um, I'll Fly Away, and not as good, Kolchak, The Night Stalker. Mm -hmm. And then all of that was poured into the seven-plus seasons of The Sopranos. Yeah. And since then, he's done things that I found really compelling as well. I really liked his movie. But he hasn't returned to his medium because he sort of didn't like TV. He always wanted to be a filmmaker. Right. Right. Vince Gilligan is essentially making versions of the same show again right. and again and sort of staying in that world. Well, I think it's almost interesting to watch Gilligan realize that that's the case. Yeah. And, and right. They, like they ended Breaking Bad and it felt so final. Yeah. And then they found that, oh, it's not that there's like so much more stuff that we need mm -hmm. to tell about this area as much as the things that interest him are happening in that world. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, I guess there's a small group who have operated on a high level over a period of time, over a number of different shows in this era who, who, who've, who've done this. And it's interesting to think about TV as a medium that hasn't quite had that kind of, uh, I mean, they're obviously, look, Norman Lear. I mean, there are people who have had long careers making great television shows. Mm -hmm. And you could say Norman Lear is, you know, what, what has always motivated him is families and working class and what it means to be in America. And I think that that would be a great dissertation. I'd love to read that or, sure. or, or think piece or whatever. But in this era... It would um, definitely it just knock out a think piece. I'm gonna you you have the time. I love it. Um, Lindelof, for sure. You can start to make the case for Mike Schur. Amy Sherman Palladino, maybe? For sure. Um, and that that is actually, like, then you get into whether or not style is actually that. You know what I mean? Like, Amy Sherman Palladino right. definitely has themes that recur mm -hmm. throughout her shows. Mm -hmm. But her and Sorkin, in a lot of ways, have a way of understanding the world that's expressed through the way that their characters talk. Yes, right, interact with the world. So I find it really interesting, it, you know, as someone who is a fan of filmmakers from, I, I, I'm, I don't have my list handy, but like, if you, like all the way back to like Ozu to <laughs> like Noah Baumbach or do something, you have right? A list? No, I don't have a list, but yeah. like who just essentially keep making the same movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's like, did, did you ever see the Black Crows behind the music? Wow. No. And maybe. Uh, there's like, at the end, Chris Robinson is talking. I, I'm actually being sincere about this. And there, he's like, oh, you know, he's kind of referring to like some, some bands get very caught up in like taking this giant leap forward or completely changing their sound or whatever. And I, I think he's just talking about what the Black Rose did over the years. And he's just like, it's all one song, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. I love it. I like the idea of like, yes, when you're in the moment, you want to see artists zig and zag and reinvent themselves and find new ways of expressing themselves. But I think in totality, when you look back, and that's why I like what you're saying about putting the Watchmen almost in context with mm -hmm. the other works that went, the other shows that Lendelhoff's worked on, because then you kind of start to think of it as part of a giant piece. Yes. And so circling all the way back to your very accurate observation that this is about people dealing with trauma or legacies of trauma, the Angela piece of this was... I'm still processing, basically, mm -hmm. which is I don't think we knew the degree that she had experienced trauma herself. Sure. What is presented as her childhood story is so awful, so, so deeply upsetting. They found this absolutely adorable 10-year-old actress to play her who's plays it all implacable, right? She seems to be surviving— first and foremost, through all these terrible situations from mm -hmm. witnessing the death of her parents in a terrorist attack to being put into a uh, Oliver Twist-esque orphanage mm -hmm. to being rescued by a grandmother she didn't know existed for all of 20 minutes. Yeah, it would be like Batman if Alfred died immediately. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we need more origin stories. Um, but she gets, she's Bruce Wayne. Right, so she is... Her hallmark is that she is incredibly strong, mm -hmm. incredibly tough, a survivor, and hard to read. And with two episodes left, this one cracked her open a little bit, not as much as she cracked Cal's face. Mm -hmm. But I'm feeling a distance from her now, now that we have known, because as much as we're going to focus on the revelation of Cal, there's also the piece of she, our main character, and what felt like often our point of view character— was lying to us or hiding something deep yeah. from us. And so that makes me feel a little more distant from sure. her right when I want to be closer. Sure. Which is, I think, leading to my slight remove from this episode. She is 
probably the most often repeated line of dialogue that Angela has had this year has been, what the fuck is going on? Yep. And it turns out she knew a lot more than she was letting on. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think of the white supremacists want to harness the power of Dr. Manhattan or become Dr. Manhattan? Sure. Plot line. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I I think a couple things, and I mean this very sincerely, and I may have said this earlier in the summer uh, from the set of Briarpatch, and I say this, you know, the show's coming out soon, my show. Um, Plans are terrible. Plans are Mm -hmm. extremely hard to make and almost always full of holes. And basically, the thing you have to work the hardest to hide, I find, in a television show, plot-wise. If you do your job, you care about the characters and you care about the world so much that the plan, the plot, whatever it is that it's all going to turn on, is secondary or tertiary to what you care about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a comic book story. So they're going to be supervillains. And couple things make a lot of sense, which is this idea that if there was only ever one true superhero and everybody knows his origin story, why wouldn't people be trying to harness this always, all the time? Sure. So that works for me. And again, like, I'm less focused on that than I am with the larger thematic thing that was revealed this episode. And, And in fact, it was set up with some fairly expository dialogue, which is when someone talks about, um... I think it's Lori Blake in that in that in that in the Austin in, Power scene where yeah, she the, drops the, to the floor. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but also the Austin Power scene because she's performing Basil Exposition. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, says Will Reeves was hooded justice, the first superhero, and a black man had to hide his face in order to be this mm-hmm. because he would be too scary. What's so fascinating about the episode is the only place the most powerful being in history could hide in plain sight on Earth is in the body of a black man who no one would ever look at as the repository of, you know, galactic right. superpowers. Right. Um, those two poles of the show's existence are fascinating and extremely dense. And here we are presented with them at the beginning and at the end of an episode. Okay, so we can put a pin in that. We'll be back. We can, And we'll be back next week to talk about Watchmen. Yeah, and by the way, um, what, what's the name of the actor who plays Cal? Yaya Abdul-Mateen. I'm so glad he has more to do because I've really enjoyed his performance. Yes. And I really enjoy his presence. And everyone's talking like, oh, trying to make like some Excalibur pun with his name. Cal is Superman's first name, dude. It's Cal-El. <laughs> Way to bring it back, dude. I, I'm just saying, like, that's, that's the thing. And he's hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And I love it. And there, there are many, many, many things on the internet already about going back and seeing how he's weirdly dispassionate explaining the end of human life and what mm-hmm. death means to the children. He's often wearing blue. And that hunt that, that you know, we never understood who saved Angela on the White Knight, how that happened. And that constant repetition of that scene, oh, we kept right. saying, you know, she, she passes out. They never find who shot her, and she ends up fine. But also that, that, that when he kept saying, are we safe, Angela? Are we safe? Yeah, right. And she's protecting him or he's protecting her. right. And also the fact that Laurie Blake keeps calling him fucking hot. That's right. Which happens frequently. Do you care that, like, on one side of it, there's, like, Lady True, who's the smartest person who's ever mm-hmm. been born, and she's other than Adrian, and, and that she is creating this millennium clock. That, you know, all this, like, science with the elephants and the cave. Lo- by the way, can I just say, that when, it, when we saw the elephant, I giggled. Oh, yeah, it was great. I, it bit. was such, it, it was delightful. But do you care that, like, She's got all this. She's like, I can clone people. Mm-hmm. I've got this clock. I've got, I've recreated the Vietnamese uh, environment here, mm-hmm. the weather system. And then just like in the basement of a mall, like the like 7th Cavalry is like, we created a trans-dimensional travel mm-hmm. gate. And that's it. Like, cause we're, even though we're just like the 7th Cavalry guys who live in trailers. Like, does that seem like a little too convenient, or, or are we going to find out you think that Adrian is helping them it, somehow? It's the nature of the show. I mean, there's so, there's almost too many ideas at play, mm-hmm. which is never going to be a real criticism for me. It's a comic book, and I think a lot about the the original Watchmen, which everyone, you know, reveres. The, Dave Gibbons, the artist, grid, you know, of, of the exact same number of squares on mm-hmm. every page, and all the storylines are the same storyline, and they all overlap. I, I do believe that the way that, you know, one thing is happening high up in the sky in a tower and one thing is happening below in a basement is an attempt to mimic that storytelling structure. 
where it's all being told literally in the same frame and all at the same time and all leading to the same stroke of midnight event uh, that we're heading to in the sense of the series. So I, it doesn't bother me at all because I think it's, it, it is actually respecting the source material in that regard. Good. Okay. I just wanted to check. You worry about me. You worry about me. <laughs> We're going to be back uh, to talk about Mandalorian after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by The Real Real. Own iconic luxury items at unreal values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers. Shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. The Real Real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, horologists, and art curators who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is authenticated. New arrivals come in daily, and every single item is authenticated by The Real Real's team of authenticators. Shop and consign women's and men's luxury fashion, as well as fine jewelry, watches, art, and home. You can shop and consign online with the app or visit one of the stores in Soho or West Hollywood or the newest location at 870 Madison Avenue in New York. In-store new customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. If you're a consigner, don't forget about the Real Real's white glove service for free in-home pickup. Shop in-store online or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. That's therealreal.com promo code REAL for 20% off select items. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Bose. Bose AR is a first-of-its-kind platform that is an audio-first approach to augmented reality. Bose AR-enabled products have motion sensors embedded inside that can detect your head orientation and body movement while you wear them. AR-enhanced apps can then use this information to offer you tailored audio content. So Disney and Bose are working together to bring fans a new immersive audio experience based on the beloved Star Wars movies. Available in the official Star Wars app and exclusively for Bose AR-enabled devices, fans can journey through an immersive 360-degree audio augmented reality timeline of Rey's lightsaber with spatialized sound for unique gesture-driven interaction where the user can freeze the scene, move towards elements, hear new content, and experience the story from new angles. It's it's pretty mind-blowing. So basically, you can experience iconic scenes from the Star Wars movies that involved Rey's lightsaber, which has been passed through, obviously, generations of Jedi. And you can interact in the scene, not necessarily visually where you would say, okay, I can see Darth Vader or I can see Obi-Wan or I can see Han Solo, but you hear it. You can hear yourself move through these iconic moments. And it's it's pretty mind-blowing the way that they've kind of almost atomized the audio experience of Star Wars and allow you to experience it in this whole new way where you're, if you move left, you can hear a character's voice moves to the left. And if you hear, you move right, it farther or closer. It's, it's really, really amazing. To celebrate this partnership, Bose will also be releasing a limited edition Star Wars QC35 headphones too. Visit Bose.com slash the watch to learn more. All right, we're back. Hold on. Let me, let me just sift the bone broth. Oh, it's Mandalorian time, baby! Kaya. Play the Chernobyl music. Play my Chernobyl music! It's the recap of Sanctuary, an episode with a lot of BDH, because it was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Nice! And here's the recap of Sanctuary. Baby Yoda, just flipping switches in the Razor Crest. Mm -hmm. Love the baby Yoda turns on the car stereo memes Mm -hmm. going on Twitter. Excellent stuff. Great stuff, Twitter. Really undefeated year for you. Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then Mando spots a diner. Kind of like the Trump's America diner. And you he's think. just like, let's let's land here. Mm-hmm. Let's chill out and decide to set his bird down. But even here, you can get avocado toast. It's just a great gastropub with, a, you know, spotchka and bone broth. Mm-hmm. Everything farm to table. Mm-hmm. Meant to be shared. Of course. Let me. Have you been here before? Let me explain how our menu works. We have. <laughs> she literally does that. We have neon blue shrimp pulled from family harvested waters. Yeah. The krill are right out there just, just it's, scooping. It's incredible. Uh, Mando and Gina Carano go straight Bellator. You know, it's a UFC thing. No idea. On one another. And then they have like that John Woo moment, which I didn't really understand. Like, is that, was that all in jest? I, I don't know. Or is Baby Yoda so cute that they were like, how could we blow each other's heads off? I think it's more that. this little guy's just sipping the tea. Just... <laughs> 
Sip yeah. the tea. By the way, R.I.P. Kermit sipping tea gif. You had a good run. I know. You're done. I know. Damn Daniel, he's gone. Forget it. Uh, Mando almost takes off, but some farmers are like, protect my farm, please. Mm-hmm. And he goes for it because he needs like a, a red roof in to chill at. Yep. Uh, he falls for the lady from Twilight. Do you know that she was in Twilight? I, I think no she was in a was. sequel. Yeah, with the werewolves. She was part of that crew. That's cool. Uh, and she, he teaches the farmers how Did to— Did Twilight really have vampires and werewolves? Yeah. That's what it was I about? I saw all the Twilight movies. Some what? of them multiple— My wife was—, was I'm not even blaming my wife. It was a cultural what? moment. Yeah. I'm sorry. Kaya, book the studio for the next two hours. Wait. I, you, you know this about me. No. I've I, seen all the Twilight movies. You have? Yeah. I, this, I, don't, I don't think I can process this until Thursday. The, the lamb becomes the lion. I, I don't or know something what, like that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means it's like, it's like when Kristen Stewart is like, I love you to a vampire. Wow. And then is also like, I'm pretty into you to a werewolf. God. And those two ancient rivals. God. She's used, so that's like a, a that, that is a Kristen Stewart trio, thruple, much like Charlie's Angels. Yes. It's basically the same movie, a tale as old Who as time. Who else recently had a thruple that we were reading about? Uh, the poet Robert Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> because your boy sends, sends Chris hot links to New York Review of Book Stories. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, anyway, he teaches the farmers how to go straight Rainbow Six. Yeah. Are those guys Clatoonians? Don't, don't. Ask and me. they, for some reason, they have an ATST. That's cool. Uh, like, I don't know, did you get that at CarMax? I think that you can get one heavily discounted these days. Yeah. Yeah. Heavily discounted. Off sticker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he almost goes mask off in this show, in this episode. He gets mm. real close. Do you think he got close? Omera is just like, let me see those baby blues. I think she was more like, you can keep it on. Yeah. <laughs> she was cool with it. Uh, but then somebody tries to take out baby Y. And Mando's like, can't happen. Uh, big disappointment from this episode. Okay. There's just not enough Carl Weathers. When he walks in, he's like, Mando! Mando, the, the Spotchka is, is, is so unctuous. It has an umami kick. No, it's that he, he, would, he, would, be, he would be talking about how important the collagen is that you the with Baby broth. Yoda? Oh, I can't believe it. A couple things. <laughs> Listeners should know that we've been texting this joke to each other. <laughs> loud Kreef Narga? Loudly. Yeah. In some of our texts, Kreef has become an Epstein conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> so, which fits. It flows. Oh, you're telling me the cameras failed, Mando? <laughs> it seems highly unlikely. He owned an island. So. Did you see the Prince Albert interview, uh, Mando? <laughs> I, I have it on my TiVo, if you would like to come over later. I have to say... I watched the recap uh, for the previous episode, and I, in the limited context, yes. it's very hard to believe that was real. I know that we watched episode three, and we joked about it, and then in the recap, it's like— we, 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 You think that we're amplifying it. That we're, we're, we're not—I'm not, we're not, actually, not actually turning the dial that much. It's crazier than I had <laughs> ever, ever imagined. They all you. hate you, Mando! <laughs> it's wild. So at least he's still out there coming. Um, this episode— Look, there's a thing that we talk... It's such a fine line. We praise the show for its simplicity. Uh-huh. And then you have an episode like this where it's it's literally... It's the Incredible Hulk TV show with Bill Bixby mm-hmm. where he just wanders into a town and helps some locals and turns their entire life around. Or, yeah, in, it is in literally the seven minutes. samurai. Minus then, five of the samurai. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then moves on. So I guess I appreciate how just zen-like... How 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 pure it is in an almost zen like way. It's it's is it copying? Is it an homage? Is it just a light Xerox mm-hmm. of previous texts? I'm not sure. I will say that I've never related to Mando more uh, when he was trying to get his child to stop pressing buttons in his car. Yeah, I've never related to him less than when presented with a steaming mug of broth. He was he like, had to forego no, no, it. No, 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 no. Yeah, because his fashion choices. Like, I could be wearing the finest shirt that I own. And if someone put a, a bowl of, of ramen in front of me, yeah. I would be like, goodbye shirt. That's right. There is no slurping I don't think he's doing that. it because he's worried about staining his I'm just saying that's my version yeah. of wearing yeah, yeah. armor. Okay. If I had something nice and I couldn't give up hot soup because I like soup so much. Yeah. She's like, when's the last time you took off your helmet? And he's like, yesterday. That means he went to the finest locavore restaurant <laughs> on this planet 
and didn't eat anything. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have to go. Yeah, but then he just has to, like, get one of those, like, takeout tins. And what if he gets fries? They don't travel well. They seem to be doing very well for themselves in that fishing village. They're doing great. Yeah. They've made a lot of money, thanks to the noble efforts of Pillboy from The Good Place, (laughs) which bumped me right out of the episode. I'm sorry to say. That's right. It was an idyllic krill farm. Who are they? Are they trading the krill to the cafe? I'm just kind of— Like, what's the the economy in that place? What is the economy of it? Well, I think, okay, so they're probably entirely self-sufficient. Okay. Okay. And then there presumably there are a couple of other bars on the planet like that. Right. But actually it does not seem to be that effective. It's not like they're like right outside of town. It sounds like town's like a day away. Can I make a suggestion? Sure. To the raiders with their giant army slaughtering robot car? Mm-hmm. Go to the town. <laughs> Go to the town. Take the town over. And raid the people in the town. Yeah. Because in the opening moments of this episode, they're like screaming victory. And, and then, then they run just, back to their home. But after they've just reached elbow deep into buckets of shrimp. Yeah. Like, look, we all <laughs> love a nice a Frito Misto. A, a nice Frito Misto, exactly. Yeah. Maybe I assume they provide their own tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. But what have we really accomplished here? Yeah. I mean, also, if you have that kind of advantage. Yeah. Why are you just doing Smokey the Bear with it in the forest? Like, it, go go, go! assert yourself. Also— We only have this one life. It's limited because they had to work all year to get the krill that they got. Uh-huh. They're not going to get raided again. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like, Mando, <laughs> help us for a year? Yeah. I, I don't understand I it. think he's, he's, he's there for quite a while. How long would it take— you and mm. the rest of the Ringer podcast staff to become proficient enough with long sticks that you could plausibly fight off a Clatoonian? Just run them through with your wind staves. Kaya? We're talking Kaya here? Oh, Kaya probably already knows how to do yeah. it. I'm talking uh, about <laughs> the other people. And I think we all know who we're talking about. I mean, what's basic training in the army? Six I, weeks? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, don't, I, I, I don't, don't ask me. <laughs> so yeah, I think it would be a little bit it would be a little bit of a challenge. They take very few casualties, it seems like. It all works out. Yeah. Uh, you know, another very, you know, closed, closed off episode. It be- each these episodes begin with Spaceship Arrives. Mm-hmm. They end with Spaceship I like Departs. That. I like that a lot. It's very Star Trek in that way. Uh, it probably owes a lot more to Star Trek than I think I, I understood in the beginning. Just in terms of, like, the way at which— I mean, it's also just, like, any Western TV show where a really guy is, rides into town and rides out. But not just Western TV shows. Like, shows we grew up on, Knight Rider, A-Team. Yes. Like, they were mission-based shows. Guess what? Those shows were fucking popular. Yeah, and we loved them. Yeah. And we've gotten so far away from them. Yeah. And I think that the the what, what the Star Wars IP buys you and what they're using that capital for is to make a show like that again. The interesting is thing is that when they utter certain things— or the arrival of Baby Yoda, but like when Gina Carano is like, "Yeah, here's the deal with how we cleaned up Endor," and then yeah. I had to become like a like a basically UN peace observer, mm-hmm. like during the the kind of handover. That stuff changes the stock market a little bit. Like, I mean, it's interesting how they throw these little lines in in the background, and then when you look online, true Jedi heads are really like piecing it all together. Really? Yeah. Do you think when she closes her eyes? She hears the Jub Jub song just playing on a loop. No, the she way just hears I hear that the songs. David Holmes Haywire music. <laughs> that, that, that's what we hear. Yeah. Still, shout out Carano. She's great. Yeah. She's two for two. Let me tell you something. I knew that when they parted as allies, there would be no normal handshake. Oh, there they would, would be do a, the fucking brothers in arms handshake? The, over the, the Predator? T- the yeah. Stallone over the top. <laughs> see you in the next Man, world, no, brother. I see you are using my handshake from Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was the governor. And in retrospect, led from the center. (laughs) His vision of republicanism is dead, Mando. (laughs) Let's wrap it up. I got to get you out of here. You got a a hot phone call you got to take. I got to get out of here. Mandalorian still got it. I just, do do you want to talk about more about the Fisher Wench who is just so (laughs) thirsty? There's just not a lot of single guys. You know, like, I, guess I not. mean, a that, lot, not that, a lot of single guys who don't smell like krill. Pillboy and that other dude who are like such betas. Yeah. And they're like, what? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so they go hire Mando. Yeah. And, you know, he's tall. Yeah. He's dark. He's handsome. Sure. I guess. 
you. <laughs> we have no idea. I mean, it is pretty wild that she's like, just like, yeah. Here's my I, question. I love you. Just to go. It's like, this guy wears a helmet all the time. You I sure? Mean, he, quick he's follow also to a that. bounty hunter. He's also a bounty hunter, but here's the real and thing that's not being talked about. he has a fucking old man baby. So this is my point. he just rolls with. Chris. That's his boy. She refers to Baby Yoda as your son, yes. your boy. So there is a not zero chance that inside of that helmet, he's an old ass Yoda. Right? Like that's... That was my main thought, is that she's like, it's cool. That is, I mean, if that happens, then then this is better than Irishman. <laughs> but 100%. <laughs> if they just fucking age Pedro Pascal <laughs> into old Yoda. But what, she's playing a numbers game where she's just like, keep the helmet on. Sure. And I'll marry the you. The mystery. Because yeah. if I took that helmet off, Let's and the know. first thing to unfurl are your old ass green Yoda ears, then I have gambled and lost. <laughs> and you just like suck down a frog and you're like... Num num. She's like, it's cool enough that you're like this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. This is a great exit exit interview for you. That is part of it. Yeah. Your uh, boy is happy here. <laughs> the child is happy. Give him give him another set of child robes. So when is baby Yoda gonna start throwing the force around a little bit more? Because I think I feel you like want that? He, well, he certainly could have helped out against No, teach a man to fish for her. I, I don't know what they're Teach fish- a man to krill. fish and he'll never be hungry. Right? right? And it's ironic because these are fishermen who are not hungry. But <laughs> teach them how to— the, the metaphor is about fighting. Yeah. They didn't need his help. No. They could have done it themselves. But, like, when he's huddling with the human babies and children who are, like, five, and he's like, I'm 50. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a little bit like Mickey Rooney, you yeah. know? Being yeah. Like, I know. Just like being one of the the lollipop guild. Like or it's like when you find out that like every teenager from sitcoms in the 80s was actually 31. Yeah, or what's her name from End of the Fucking World who's 30, by the way. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And you think the security cameras just failed? It's all connected, Mando. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I'm, I'm on to something and you're afraid of the truth. We'll be back on Thursday, and we've got a very, very exciting guest next week. We have a special episode uh, on Thursday as well. I don't think it's going up Thursday, though. Oh, 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 we're doing two of it. No, uh, you don't. I mean, um, Kaya, can you, oh, actually, can, can you talk yeah. to my people? <laughs> well, we've got some special guests coming up to end the year. So Chris is going to let me know about our schedule off air. I'm going to hammer my own head. Yeah. And Joe Rogan's going to come out. Fantastic. <laughs> Can't wait. See you next week. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by The Real Real Shopper Consign at The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated consignment from top designers. The Real Real has women's and men's luxury fashion as well as fine jewelry, watches, art, and home at up to 90% off retail. Every item is authenticated by The Real Real's team of authenticators. Shop or consign in-store at therealreal.com or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL.